Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We hit the field light! All day light! All night light! Here we go, here we go! Keep it on, keep it on, keep it on! This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast with James Rapine and Daryl Ryder on 923thefan.com. What up and welcome into another edition of the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. I'm James Rapine along with Daryl Ryder. We are your beat writers for 923thefan, 923thefan.com. We cover all three of the sports teams here in Cleveland, plus a bunch of other stuff here at the fan. So if you're looking for the latest Browns news, Indians news, Cavaliers news with the draft, Less than 36 hours away, well, you can find it in one spot, 923thefan.com. A quick reminder to subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, including the Radio.com app. Leave us a five-star review so more Cleveland sports fans can find this podcast. we got some Browns on tap. We'll talk about the Tribe, who are suddenly surging a bit, four games above 500. Will that continue? But let's start, Daryl. With, I'm not even going to lie, my favorite sport. Let's start with some hoops. Ooh, the out. NBA draft is tomorrow. What? Basketball is your favorite sport? Oh, yeah. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. I thought I thought football was your favorite sport. No, I love football, though. You could t- it's, I love sports. That's you're, how you can tell. You're just a draft guy, I'm noticing. Uh, because first you said you live for the NFL draft. Now you're saying you live for the NBA draft. Oh, I, I think love you, drafts. You, it's hope. Drafts are hope. No wonder you no, fit. No one, no one knows this better than the city of Cleveland. No wonder you fit in so well. That's you the- are all about the draft <laughs> potential. And I wrote about the draft, by the way. Check it out right now at 923thefan.com. All right, let, let's start. Oh, you saw. The, you, you probably disagreed. You probably. Ha, yeah, you read it. I know you read it. Same, you're, same guy you're, that you're, wanted you're a Lonzo man. Ball. Would have been great with the fifth pick. You know what I want? A future all-star with the fifth pick. And I hear Jared Culver, and I hear DeAndre Hunter from Virginia. And I'm like, you know what? Those guys aren't future all-stars. So you could take that to the bank right now. I, I don't I don't sense future all-star stardom for those guys. I need more of a roll of the dice, which as a, a Browns beat writer, Daryl, you're like, what? Roll the dice. Don't do that. Play it safe. No, 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 no. The Cavaliers aren't going to be good playing it safe. They need to draft the future all-star with the fifth pick tomorrow. It can be done. It needs to be done. They brought John Beeline in here for a reason. That's what they need to do. I mean, hey, I hope they find the future all-star. They better find the future all-star. Um, I'm not confident they're going to find the future all-star. Um, I'm I'm not really excited about this draft class because I've, I've said for months, and it appears that a lot of the NBA experts that actually do this for a living, as far as, you know, like breaking down the hardcore draft analysis – it's, it, it doesn't appear to be a very deep draft. It's oh, very, here we go. It's very top-heavy. Here we go. Um, so, so again, I listen. They can't I, get anyone good with the fifth pick. That's it's a bad not, draft. That, that's not what I'm saying. It's a bad I just, draft. I just hope that they get the right player. I, I do Didn't think, you watch ESPN the other day? They said it's an awful draft after the third pick. I do think good that the Pelicans may have inadvertently done the Cavaliers a solid. Ironically, David Griffin could potentially... 
help the Cavaliers with the, the trade of, uh, of Anthony Davis just be, from the standpoint the Pelicans aren't likely to take maybe the player that the Cavaliers wanted with that fourth pick. Whereas, Darius Garland from Vanderbilt. Where if the <laughs> Lakers had that pick... If you're Kobe Altman, you're still chewing your nails pretty good, hoping mm-hmm. that they don't take your guys. So I, I, I hope that they they make the right pick. I hope they take the best player and they don't just try and fill a need. So that means if you take another point guard, so what? Take another point guard. You know, I, I, I've, I'm with I've, you. I, I, I've heard conversation that the, that that is something that they are thinking of doing. That uh, John Beeline really would like to run a two guard system a two-point guard system I should be more specific there um so I I, I'm not saying you can't find an all-star drafts are just like anything else you're projecting you're hoping um I I just I I hope they pick the kid that does turn into that all-star and let's not forget not only do they have that fifth pick they got the 26th pick in this draft as well and again um NBA history has shown you can find good quality all-star caliber players late in the first round of a draft too, but it all comes down to you doing your homework the right way and not only finding the player, but having a little lady luck on your side as well, and that player stays healthy for you and performs at a high level. I'm ashamed of you right now. Why are you ashamed of ashamed? me? Ashamed? What I, else is I'm there? kind of embarrassed for you, and we're in like a 10 by 8 room Alone, and I'm still embarrassed for you right now. I, I'm sorry. Who who is the you, you who come, is the stud? That you, we, you come in here, <laughs> and, and before we press record, you say it doesn't matter who the Cavs it pick; doesn't. they're not going to win for the next decade. And then the the recording starts, and it's like, yeah, I hope they get an All Star. We'll see. You know, are you kidding me? I'm embarrassed for you. You <laughs> got you went soft on they, me in like four minutes. They are. Uh, you, you tried to play the PC political nice thing just because you're going to be at the event tomorrow, doesn't mean that you can't be honest. You don't think that they're going to turn it around tomorrow. You don't think that that's a no. I I, I, I it think doesn't matter to you who they I, pick. I really think we're headed for basketball purgatory. Oh, come on. Where this? Hang on. Where the ceiling is where it was like in the '90s where. You're good enough to make the playoffs, but get your ass kicked in the first round. That's and 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 when you get into that cycle, your ability to improve your team in rapid fashion with that. So here, here's why NBA teams tank. Okay, because and and I I saw this. There was a debate on uh, Twitter yesterday about the the draft. Pro Football Talk weighed in and 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 said how the the draft is just so against America. First of all, if it were not for drafts in pro sports, you'd be so top-heavy, okay? You would have no franchises in Cleveland, Ohio. The San Antonio Spurs would not have put together the dynasty that they— because nobody go, nobody says, hey, I'm going to go play for Oklahoma City. No one wants to say, oh, I'm going to go play in Cleveland, or I'm going to play in St. Louis, or I'm going to play in San Antonio, or Memphis. Dude, I don't or, think the Patriots would be a dynasty. Well, uh, but my, Even the Patriots. So my, you my play point in that is— cold? is the no i my point is is that the, the 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 drafts actually not always but sometimes help maintain some semblance of a balance of power in these leagues and give your your uh smaller market franchises an opportunity to put something together now i i'm not going to criticize players in the player empowerment movement and I, I said this on my show on sunday you know, I think LeBron James's legacy as a basketball player 
isn't so much the three championships, or as we do this podcast, this is the third anniversary of the Cavaliers uh, completing their comeback over Golden State and winning their first NBA championship. What was the biggest play of that, real quick? Um, the block or the shot? The block. The block. Really? Uh, it, it was the most incredible play I've ever seen because LeBron came full court from the other side of the floor to, to, to block that shot because that would have given Golden State the lead. And no uh, one could score. No right. one could score during this it, stretch. It, it was a it was, was a very ugly it, game at this well, point. It, Everyone it, was just exhausted. Yeah, game seven, tanks on empty. Um, I don't want to diminish Kyrie's shot because it is the biggest shot in franchise history. I could argue that Kevin Love's pseudo defense on Steph Curry, forcing him to take a a, a, a non rhythm shot, mm-hmm. um, and it, as soon as Curry missed that, and the Cavaliers got the rebound. We had the oh crap Cleveland moment when LeBron got uh, fouled, went down, and it looked like he broke his wrist with like eight seconds to go, and the the, the Cavaliers uh, leading, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh bleep, um, he's gonna miss all these. He's not gonna be able to shoot the free throws because he broke his wrist, and he's gonna miss them all. They're gonna come down, get the tying three pointer. We're going to overtime, and they're gonna win Game Seven in overtime. Like I, I had those things thoughts going in my mind as I'm watching LeBron writhe in pain on the floor holding his arm mm-hmm. um and then what's he do he goes up and uh you know hit, hits hits one of the the two free throws and that gives you the four and as soon as he hit that uh that free throw it was like okay it's over now all they got to do is just get these nine seconds off the clock yeah. and one and, stop and it's and over can, and that's what lebron right. said in the huddle one and, stop one yep, stop and, and we can you know pop the champagne and, and start celebrating so um, I worked or I was awake from Sunday morning all the way through about two to three a.m. Tuesday. Were you really nonstop? Well, I well, you had I, to work, obviously. I, I mean. worked all night. Um, you know, writing columns and and you know, uh, all that kind of stuff, so, doing social media and. Everything else. Um, were you there or were you here? No, I, I was here. Gotcha. Uh, I tried to, to power nap, so I turned on uh, Ken and Anthony's show. Um, <laughs> they do I, put you right to sleep. I, well, and and I'm well, just kidding, I, I guys. wanted I wanted to hear you know I get it. How, how they went you know how they handled it. it was a great show. I I didn't go to bed, and then uh, I went out to the airport, which is just you know five ten minutes from my house. Went out to the IX Center. Uh, covered him coming off the plane uh, with with the trophy, um, you know. And was J.R. Smith shirtless by then? He, I thought he, he was. He was absolutely shirtless. Uh, they it was were, the Hennessy. Uh, they were they he were all sweated out. They um they were all bleep faced because they came in late. They they came in late from Vegas. Dude, they, I they flew, yeah. they, they flew from Golden State. They stopped to Vegas. In, they to Vegas to celebrate. Uh, and then because uh, they were. They LeBron were, has his own area in Vegas that no one would even be able to find. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I bet that Vegas trip was unlike any other. Yeah. Uh, he has, area, as I call it, Area 23 in Vegas. Correct. Um, and so the play, you know, it was funny because we're, I think they were supposed to come in like at 1130 or something. They were supposed to touch down and someone comes like, hey, Daryl, just so you know, the play's running late. I go, yeah, shocker, <laughs> late night in Vegas. Huh? Yeah. You know, and I think they landed like around 1.30 or whatever. Uh, and, uh, you know, the plane's taxiing over to to where the, they do the charter stuff, uh, which is like right by the IX Center. And uh, 
the the fire trucks are doing the water cannon salute as the planes coming by. The 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 IX was just packed. The the parking lot, the IX sure. center, just overflowing with people, uh, and uh, talking to a few that were on the plane as they were landing. They, I guess, the entire plane marveled because you obviously could see from the air the amount of humanity that was on the ground waiting for them. Yeah. And they were just in awe at the amount of humanity that was on the ground waiting for them. Uh, and then, of course, uh, two days later, we had the, the, the big parade, which um, uh, I got up at 5 a.m. for. It took me four hours to get to downtown Cleveland via the rapid. I didn't even try and drive downtown. Because uh, uh, there's a rapid station by my house, I wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, it, it yeah, I know. Uh, it, it took me four <laughs> hours to get downtown, and then my assignment was the rally that day. I sure. was to, to cover the rally, so I'm like, you know, being the you know, smart Alec that I am, like I'm I'm gonna walk the parade route and you know, f- film and take video or sure. you know, take video and shoot some pictures and whatnot. And I get halfway up East Ninth Street. And then you couldn't move, and this this was like an hour. Oh. Be- this is before. This is about an hour before the parade. Was you couldn't even begin. cut through. Pe- it was too the, too packed. The, and and the parade that day. My goodness, James. The the parade and and Toronto's parade was incredible. And, and Toronto obviously is a bigger municipality than Cleveland is. So and obviously they have more people at their parade than Cleveland. But this was an all timer because. Um, they couldn't get the vehicles through. If you go back and you look at some of the the footage of the parade and the pictures and that, the sea the the sea of humanity because they didn't put barriers up East Ninth Street oh. for the okay yeah so the cars had to inch through. So the parade took like three hours longer. I couldn't than imagine being the driver. To. And then it's the last thing I'd want to be. So then we get Ooh. to the the rally, and. You know, everyone you know does their speeches. Where then LeBron gets up and drops like eighty f bombs in the in the speech. Jim Brown walks up, and in one of the moments that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, he comes out and he's holding the Larry O'Brien Trophy and he hands it to LeBron. You yeah. know, and a symbolic passing sure. of the torch from one champion to another. Um, that was an incredible moment. Um, LeBron the- giving a. Dan Gilbert, the thumbs up, yeah. very awkwardly. I thought that was funny. Yeah, the um, you're and like, then, yeah, ignore that one, keep going. Yeah, the uh, that wasn't that. I, I, what I was also going to say, you know, Ernest Biner was there. Sure. Um, uh, they in you know Josh Cribbs was there. Uh, the machine gun, like they, they invited so many people from Cleveland sports past that came close but never got it. It was a real inclusive event, and it was just it it, it was. It was a long day, I'm not going to lie, because there was nothing to eat or drink for about 12 hours. And it was one of the greatest days I've ever covered. Walking around, talking to fans and people that flew in from California overnight so that they could be at the parade and, and be there with like their kids. Mm-hmm. Or they flew in from Arizona where they were retired to come. I it just it, incredible. Uh, people drove overnight from like Maryland and Virginia and... I just I picture something, and obviously I wasn't here for the parade, but there are pictures of people standing in the parking garage. Yeah, well, there are people hanging uh, off the parking. That, that's garages. what I'm saying. Like just all over, just trying to get a peek of a parade. Yeah. You know, we've all seen a parade, but this 
it, it just was, it meant so much. It, it was and, the yeah. it was the party of parties, and then a, a couple days later, LeBron had a celebration down in Akron. Uh, I think Lock Three is what it's called. They're they're, they're parked down in Akron, uh, and he you know he comes out there. He goes, you know, it took a kid from Akron to end <laughs> a fifty two year championship drought. Um, so it was, it really was a, a special couple of weeks after that championship. The city just was on fire, uh, in, in, in celebration. Of course, later that year, the Indians got all the way to the uh, game seven of the world series. It was the opposite three, one. Yeah. Uh, and then they are the ones that up chucked the three, one lead to the, uh, the Chicago Cubs, but still doesn't take away what a great year 2016 was. I would say the best year in recent Cleveland sports history, because back, I think, in 1948, it was the Browns, Indians, and Cleveland Barons all won championships that year. You remember that, too. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I know I know my history. No, I uh, meant you remember it like you were alive then. It was a joke. Oh, gotcha. Went right over your head. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, but that's way better. Yeah, so, no, most so, of our listeners so, yeah, are like, so as, when? So as we talk about that, and I look at this, this you know, back on track, yeah. you know, as I you know, I look at this draft. I I'm just, sure our listeners don't mind going down that. No, 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 no. That's, that, that is <laughs> Reliving very, that day. I, that's why I was like, I'm going to let Daryl go. Here, yeah. So. Um, but I, I just I, I think getting back to that level right now it's it's the impossible climb for the Cavaliers. They they it's gonna take a tremendous amount of patience with John Beeline. I I love love the hire of Lindsey Gottlieb, um, but it's gonna take a tremendous amount of patience. And and what I was saying about the free agency, you know, these drafts help maintain some semblance of a a competitive balance. And while these players are free to do the free market thing when they do become free agents. And that's LeBron's lasting legacy. I think that's what drove, drove me off into this. Yeah. The, the, uh, the flashback. No, and it is. I I completely agree with you. I was actually listening to something today, 2010. I get it. It was heartbreaking here. Yeah. But like it, changed the way we view free agency, the NBA off season. It changed everything. Like the way it's covered now is completely different. And it started with the decision. Yeah. And and that is going to be, I think, LeBron's lasting influence on the NBA is the fact that he has empowered the players. And he is so powerful. Uh, and his agent, Rich Paul, I mean, I asked Chris Fedor uh, from Cleveland.com this on Sunday if Rich Paul was the most powerful person in the, in, in the NBA right now because whatever he wants, he gets. You want Anthony Davis in, in Los Angeles? Now, granted, it took about five or six months longer than – they would have liked, mm-hmm. but the bottom line is Anthony Davis is going to be a Los Angeles Laker, and that was the plan, you know, six eight months ago. Um, I do think Rich is doing what his client wants, though. Of, oh, like of, th- this, because I think understood. a lot, a lot of people perceive it as, and I, I'm not saying you do. A lot of people are like, "Oh, Rich Paul's helping out LeBron," and I'm like, "Yeah, but I think Anthony Davis wants to be in LA, and yeah, maybe LeBron's part of the reason, but I don't think Rich Paul's like, oh." I'm helping my my childhood friend from Akron, Anthony Davis. You're going to the Lakers. Yeah, you know Anthony Davis is a grown ass man. <laughs> yeah, and and so I I just I I'm just objectively looking at what the Cavaliers have in front of them, mm-hmm. and it is just it's going to be a steep because there's there's no superstar at five. Now that's not to say that the player that they don't pick doesn't butt into that in a couple of years. But here's the problem: by the time that player gets to that level, does that player still want to be here? 
when they're you know do they want to sign an extension or do they just want to go off and so this is this is I think that the, the this is the problem that these NBA teams are going to have you know look at the that's Pelicans. the problem they invested those years in in in, no. in, in, in working with Anthony Davis and, yeah and he he becomes a, a perennial NBA All Star and then guess what happens he gone. That's and now, the and now, problem. And luckily, they've got the bounce of the ping pong balls. That's and a little the problem luck. with bad NBA teams. People are going to hate me saying this, and I don't care. LeBron left because the Cavaliers did not surround him with enough talent from 03 to 2010. Because they built they, the roster worried about him leaving. That, and well, that's fine. The we'll roster go, they kept building caused him to leave. Go get a star. You got to get star. Like but here's the, here's the here, but here's you can the trade problem. for him. Oklahoma City did. And, and, there are plenty of small markets that thrive. But and here, guess what? And, and here's Zion, the thing. Zion LeBron, will be in New Orleans for the next fifteen years. I, I, I if, disagree. If they build around him, the reason Anthony Davis did not stay and wanted out of New Orleans is because their best move was trading everything for a disgruntled distraction into Marcus here's the, Cousins. Here's the here's the problem, and this is a hundred percent true. LeBron James did in 2010 before the decision. He did initially try to recruit people to come to Cleveland to play with him, and the Cavaliers, mm-hmm. and they Chris Bosh, and they didn't want to come. And so he then said, "The only way I'm gonna win a championship is if I lose, and I have to win championships, so I have to leave." And this is the so it's easy for you to say, "Oh, just you know, go ahead and build the team around him." No, the really the the the, the way you build the team around people is through the draft because free agency, unless you're the big market or the sexy hot team, you're not going to be. The Cavaliers are never going to recruit free agents. They never outside have. Outside of the they Miami never Heat. Will. Outside of the Miami Heat. The Lakers can recruit free agents. Outside the of Celtics the Miami can Heat. Recruit free name agents. A, the Heat name, can. Outside, listen, outside of the Miami Heat, name the last dynasty. That was built through free agency. Um, I can't think of one. That's right. I don't want to hear that as an excuse for the Cavaliers. But I, listen, they, they gotta, I understand. They, they got to nail it with the fifth pick. Did you pick. miss what I said earlier? The only way for the Cavaliers to get back but it's, to the, but it's is not to build just through the draft. the draft. It's building a culture. So when you do have a bunch of pieces because you've drafted well. They want to stay. They, they want to stay and you can trade this piece and that piece and this piece for the next Paul George or for the next Anthony Yeah, Davis I mean, the, the, the next, Golden State Warriors are the, built from within. I mean, granted, yes, Kevin Durant ended up being the cherry on top when he left Oklahoma City, but they already had one in the case, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, and they would have gotten another one. I know people keep saying they wouldn't have. They won 73 games. Yeah, they would have gotten another one with that. You know, so I, I, I think that... Uh, you the know, Cavs might have gotten another one too, though. Absolutely. They were be- the Cavs are better in 17 than 16. Go absolutely. Ahead. Um, but my point is, is that, you know, the Warriors were built internally, mm-hmm. you know, uh, before the Kevin. So I just, I'm nervous about that, that that's, that, no, my, no, my point it, is, and, and is and that I there's think... only one path for the Cavaliers ever to get good again. And it is the draft. And, and, and no that, doubt and, about and, it. And that is through an area in which that they have outside of getting lucky with the bounce of the ping pong balls. Mm-hmm. They've struggled. They don't draft And well. even when they get lucky, they some ended up with Anthony Bennett one year when they could have Victor Oladipo, and you know what I'm saying? So I get it. But that's why I swing for the fences. You, like everything you said, and this is what I wrote on our website, if I'm the Cavs Thursday night, who has the most upside? You mentioned Lindsey Gottlieb. You mentioned John Beeline. Yeah. They were brought in for one reason, to coach 
these youngsters that could be in college that you're going to be drafted in over the next few years and help establish a culture and get the most out of them. So guess what I want to give them? The highest ceiling players. I, I don't need these guys that are going to be 10 and 5 guys as a rookie and end up being 14 and 7 guys. No. Right. Try to find the next all-star to all-NBA type player. And I think there's two. Cam Reddish. Uh, there are more than two, but two that could be available at five and one's guaranteed to be available at five. Cam Reddish is that first one from Duke. I know people knock him. And then the guard from Vanderbilt, Darius Garland. Give me one of those two, and you could end up with the next Kyrie. You could end up with the next Paul George. Like, that's who people are comparing him to. You end up with one of those guys. Now we're changing things. Now things, who knows what happens. So that's what I think the Cavaliers have to do. We'll see. Make sure you keep it locked on 92.3 The Fan tomorrow. Well, now, through the draft, after the draft, we'll have you covered on air and on our website. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Erpine. We'll get into some Indians and a little bit about the Browns. They're staying in Berea. We'll talk about it next right here on the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. James Rapine and the dangerous Daryl Ryder with you here on the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. Real quick, let's spend a few minutes on the tribe before we dive into the Browns. The Indians, they have a sweep over the weekend. They win yesterday. Back-to-back-to-back Jacks. Get that. How about that? From Jake Bowers, Roberto Perez, and Tyler Naquin. That's probably the least... The the le- least likely candidates to go back to back to back. It's the first time they've done it since two thousand and four. They're thirty eight and thirty four as we record this. Daryl, you buying in? You've been a, a naysayer. You've been a negative Nancy. You've been down on the tribe. To me, I've been very adamant on every show I've done, a- a- anything that I've done. The Indians still have a shot to make the playoffs. The Indians have a shot to turn the season around. They need to make a run now. And they're starting to do it. They've won four out of their last five. Your thoughts? I can't argue with the recent success that they've had. They've won series over the Yankees, the Twins, the Red Sox, the Tigers now. Um, They're uh, a leg up on the Rangers. Um, But despite how well they're playing, they're still nine and a half out. And that just shows you how deep the hole is and how much ground they have to make up, and quite frankly, I don't think that they're going to make up. Um, the decision that they need to make is, is it worth playing a wild card playoff game? Because I don't, listen, I, I, this team is not very good. I think that they're playing to their potential, um, and I don't want to 
discount what they've done over the last three weeks because they are playing their best baseball of the year. And hopefully that continues through the, the rest of the summer here. I just don't think that they have what it takes to make any type of noise in October. And I, they right now have played themselves into a difficult situation because three weeks ago it was just sell, you know, begin the process of retooling for 2020 and beyond. Now they're teasing us. And because they're in striking distance of that, that wild card, I think they're a half game behind the Rangers. And if they win uh, tonight, um, as we record this, what is it, Wednesday? Mm-hmm. So if they win tonight, they overtake the Rangers for that uh, second wild card spot and uh, you know would be positioned to, to play the uh, Tampa Bay Rays uh, in a rematch of the 2013 wild card game that they were shut out. I think it was one nothing. Um I think that they've played themselves into a difficult situation and uh, made the front office's job now more difficult because you've gone from we have no chance now to now, oh, crap, we're, we're, we're in this thing. We, we got a shot. We can get to the wild card game. If we win the wild card game, we're in the tournament. I think you went from that and fans went from that to sell, sell, sell to other uh, Clevenger's coming back, and Kluber will be back in August, and uh, they're suddenly hitting a little bit better. Jose Ramirez had a three-run home run. Like, suddenly things changing. Jake Bowers might actually be good at baseball. Like, these fans are just – and this is what fans do. They react in the moment, and now it's like, oh, well, now they don't have to sell. I don't think the Indians ever said, all right, we're definitely going to be sellers. I think that they – they're like, all right, we're struggling right now. Let's see where we are in a couple of weeks, and that's – that's the beauty of their schedule between now and the All-Star break. The Rangers are their only team, only winning team mm-hmm. that they play between now and the break. They can feast on their opponents. They had 21 games going they into They can get fat. That's, that's what I call you. Get get fat. 21 games going into that Tiger series. Well, I think the 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 uh the one losing team that they played over that stretch was the White Sox. They lost 3 of 4. But yeah, they've won four of four of uh, six series. They split with the Reds, and it was only a two game right. series. And, and, but this, but the, and this is how you get yourself back into the conversation: is by winning series. You don't have to roll off eight, ten, twelve games in a row. It's hard to do that in I, baseball. Anyway. I understand that, but the Indians—they've done it. I know. I get have it. a history of doing it yeah, every year, <laughs> including up to twenty-two games, which I think that they. Kind of that used, cost them. They played their best ball then. Yeah, used all their energy up uh, during that winning streak. But um, you know, is by winning series and chipping away and gradually working your way back into it, and that's what they've done. Again, I don't want to be dismissive of what they've done these last three, four weeks mm-hmm. because they are, you know, they're they're starting to play. They're showing some good signs ball. of life. Yeah, you know, the ball's starting to pop off the bats and leave the ballpark. They're they're starting to situationally hit you got guys stealing home the the pitching staff is is holding up their end of the bargain so again I think that they have played themselves into a difficult decision for the front office um and there's more of a chance that you go for it this year if they keep this up going into the all-star break than just sitting here and saying, okay, let's move Bauer, let's move Hand, let's get some some top tier guys sure. that'll be available to us in 2020 and can you know by 2021 maybe you know help us be in a position to win again, uh, and that and that's a good thing for the organization, but 
again, I You're so just, negative. No, I, it's not about being negative. I'm just being objective about the situation. I just spent five minutes praising him for playing good baseball. But I just I objectively look at this team, and I don't think that they're a threat to anybody in the American League. I just I don't feel that way. And so the question I think that the Indians have to ask themselves is, you know, is getting to that wild card game worth uh, either standing pat or trying to add to the roster and whatnot, Mm -hmm. or should they take advantage of the hot market that there there is out there for a Trevor Bauer, for a uh, a Brad Hand, even though Hand is under control next year? Um, Bauer's got another year of arbitration, so he's going to make even more money next Hand year. Hand has two years. Hand has two years? I'm sorry. It's a team option, but it's for $10 million, so it's a no-brainer. Okay. <laughs> in 2021. Well, it won't be a no-brainer if he ain't here, so um, they have they have played. That's why I say they've played themselves into a difficult situation because I don't believe that they're legitimate pennant contenders. They're wild card game contenders. I get it. Totally understand it. And for the most part, I agree. Like it, it would be shocking if this team suddenly put it together and came back to, let's say, win the division 10 games back, by the way, or they put it together and somehow found a way to make a run in the playoffs. Here's what I will say. Baseball is a long season. Oh, yeah, it is. When, when no Hugh, the day Hugh Jackson got fired, could you believe at the end of the year that there was a chance that you'd be talking about Browns and playoffs in the final couple of weeks? That was discussed. That's 16 games. I know. I, I remember. Uh, th- things, I, I was there. No, I know. But th- <laughs> what I'm saying is it things, won five of seven. things change in a hurry. Yeah, I know. And especially with young players like Jake Bowers, especially with guys who hadn't played, weren't playing every day and then suddenly are and figure it out at the plate, Roberto Perez. Now, do they still need things to bounce their way? Yes. But so far, they, they had a 21-game stretch where they played one winning team. Before the All Star right. break, starting this past Friday, yep. they're four and one. They swept the Tigers. They're one and one against the Rangers. Even if they split with the Rangers, and they they come out of this five and two in their first two series, I said a fifteen and six mark during this stretch before the All Star break. It would put them ten games above five hundred. Yeah, I don't think fifteen and six is out there. I don't think it's outrageous. I mean, if you look the Orioles, uh, you know teams like that. The Reds, I think, are the best team probably on their schedule between now and the break after the Rangers. that's That says something. So I think that they have a real shot here to get well above 500 for the yeah. first time all season. And they, need, they absolutely and, need to take advantage of this stretch. They, yeah. they, listen, they outperformed my expectation during that stretch with the, you know, the, again, we you know, I remember a couple of weeks ago we did a podcast and, you know, we said this was going to be the stretch that could potentially define and decide the season with the Twins and the Red Sox and the Yankees. And, they I won all three. Well, and I was very pessimistic with, and it was based on what we had watched and 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 seen. Sure. Through the month of May, and I had no reason to be optimistic. And again, they they went through that stretch and outperformed expectation to begin the process of chipping this thing away. But again, James, it just it shows you how deep of a hole they have dug themselves, and also how good the Minnesota Twins really are because they've had no sign of drop-off. And the Indians, despite playing as well as they have over these last three to four weeks, they haven't even made a dent into the Twins' lead. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. They, and, and, and I agree with you. I, I think the they Twins, had, I keep expecting them to drop back, and they just don't. They're I not going to. I keep expecting them to. And, and I'm going to tell you, they're not going to. I, I You know what? I think that. They I haven't think dealt that, with the injury bug yet. The Indians I understand have. that. I think that they are, I think they're just having, a, they're having that magical season. Yeah. Where, and we've seen it. We've seen that outlier we, year. We have seen it here in Cleveland. Where just everything's going your way, that engine's just humming along smoothly, and I just I don't think the Indians are catching the Twins. And again, that's not me being negative. That's not me making fun of the Indians or picking on the Indians. That's they're just, a bully. That's just what I see as the cold hard math and reality that they're within right now, and the fact that they have played as well as they've had, and they can't make a dent into that lead, they're not catching the Twins. Their hope is a wild card, and again, that puts this front office into a very tenuous position. Is playing a wild card game worth it? To hang on to Brad Hand, to hang on to Trevor Bauer, and and that I you know what I think you could I still think, trade them in the offseason. I was going to say especially well, Bauer. I think you could trade Bauer now. I think you could still trade Bauer. Well, yeah, you could trade him. I. I you can always trade him. It's just how much are you getting back? And obviously they couldn't. No, get no, what no. They I'm saying I, I think that they could still trade Trevor Bauer and still maintain the level that they're at now. I think that I, I don't think that if they traded Trevor Bauer, that that would derail any chance that they'd have of playing in that wild card game. That's I, my point. I, I get you, and and I agree to a certain extent. The problem is, is who's pitching in that wild card game? Do you want it to be Bauer? Do you want it to be Clevenger? Do you want it to be Kluber, which sounds insane right now because he's on the IL. Um, so yeah, they have some decisions to make. I'm glad that I'm not in the front office having to make them. That's Chris Antonetti's job. That's Mike Chernoff's job. That's everybody, uh, you know, with the Indians in, in that front office. Here's what I will say, and we can put a bow on it with this. I think that they've consistently shown this year, despite their flaws, and they're very flawed, no doubt about it, that they're resilient. And you never count that out. Like, I I don't want to count that out. Like, if Jose Ramirez suddenly turns it on, if that three-run home run yesterday suddenly gets him in gear, and we've said it multiple times this year, if that happens, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm still not counting out the champ, right? I didn't count out Golden State when they were down 3-1. The Indians are the Golden State of this American League Central. You know what you're also They've seeing? won it three straight years. I'm not counting them out yet, but I understand why people are. You're so. seeing the value of Terry Francona as well. No doubt about it. You this No is- doubt. This is why Terry Francona is one of the best managers in baseball. I know people get frustrated with him because he's sometimes very loyal to his veterans. He's very even keel, especially when he's talking to you guys after after games that they lose. Sure. And sometimes those losses have been ugly, and you don't see him get real demonstrative or uh, you don't see him lose his collective you-know-what. Uh, he's just every day he's the same person, whether they've won 10 in a row or they've lost 10 in a row. And you're seeing the value of Tito in, in, in the steady hand and that leadership that he has because I'm, th- this team isn't that good. Okay. It's not. And well, hell he's forced to use Jason Kipnis in the four hole. Carlos Gonzalez in the four hole. They might as well have you hit cleanup. Tyler Naquin in the yeah, like he right. he's had multiple different guys hit in the four spot, and, and, and it's just it's tough, and he gets blamed for it for and, no reason. And 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 thank you for making my point. Okay, this team, at its core, really isn't that good. They're yet they have been able to weather the storm, 
early on mm-hmm. and they're above 500. He's not had a losing season since he's been the manager of this ball club. And I don't think they're going to have a losing season this year. They're on pace for 85 wins right, right. now. Right. Well, they're about seven off of what I said that they were going to have. So I had uh, them in the, the, the high 80s. Yeah. But I, I also had them winning the division in the high I, 80s. I, I, that I was, ain't happening. I, negative Daryl was drinking the uh, the Indians Kool Aid when I, when I said they were going to win yeah. 92 now, 93 see, games. Positive. You used to be positive. What happened? Well, they started hitting <laughs> you, like you, you know watched what. them. Yeah, that's right. They they started hitting like the poop emoji. That's what happened. Yeah, I uh, and, and half the pitching staff went on the IL. Yeah, so th- that's the thing is with all the injuries, I am shocked that they're four games above five hundred and still really do have a shot at the playoffs. So we'll see how it plays out. Make sure you keep it locked on our website, real quick, Daryl. A story you had. Get to it real quick. Um, the Browns staying in Berea through twenty thirty nine. What what's the latest on that? Why is it so significant, and what are people saying with the Browns organization? Well, uh, it's significant because it just reaffirms that you know the the team isn't going to go anywhere. Um, I've uh, talked to those involved in constructing this uh, latest extension. He means they're not moving, not that they're not going to the playoffs. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> I thought that that was pretty well self-explanatory. I, I know. I just got to explain. <laughs> I, Imagine I the headline. Daryl Ryder says Brown's not making playoffs. Yeah, um, That'd yeah, be good. So, so they're, they're, they're committed uh, to the area. There is. It's my understanding that there's more to this agreement than just a lease extension, uh, but that's really all I can say uh, at the moment about that. Um, you know, the building just got redone a couple of years ago. Uh, the city of Berea put like $15 million into it. They basically gutted both floors, expanded it. Uh, it's a state-of-the-art facility now. Um, but it is significant um, because there's, you know, all this talk of, you know, could the Browns build another facility elsewhere around town? You know, would, would they, they seem to be really committed to having training camp in Berea. For the foreseeable future, I know Columbus uh, was out there for about the last five, six years as a uh, potential training camp spot. There was conversations about maybe going to a, a, a college in the middle of nowhere, uh, similar to like what the Buffalo Bills do to, yeah. to hold training camp. But the, it seems that the, the camp is going to remain in Berea for the foreseeable future uh, as well. And it, it, it's it's a significant thing for the city of Berea because the Browns account, and I, I did not realize this, but thinking about it, um, you know, the Browns account for 25% of Berea's income tax revenue. That's that's pretty significant to a city. So, sure. so it's a big deal for the city of Berea to get the Browns to commit for an extra 10 years. So they're going to be there for the next two decades. And as it was explained to me, there's no uh, there's no getting out of it type thing. You know, they just can't pick up and move the team tomorrow type thing. I mean, they're they're committed uh, to that that facility now for the next twenty years. So it's 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 pretty significant. Uh, I am interested though to as we go through time. I don't think that there's anything in the offing right now. Um, I, I've talked to people within the Browns that tell me that they're, you know, they are happy with First Energy Stadium. It just went over, went through a renovation a couple years ago, one hundred twenty-five million dollars. But I'm interested to see as we get into the next decade here, what happens in regards to a uh, a stadium because there's really nothing. I mean, the the Cleveland Sports Commission, David Gilbert, they've done such an outstanding job recruiting events. There's really nothing left for them to recruit. Now that the draft is coming, 
Major League Baseball All Star Games this summer. Um, the uh, uh, NCAA and, tournament, and NCAA tournament, the Women's Final Four, the NBA All Star Games coming in 2022. So really, there's only two events that they've not recruited yet, and the only way they're going to be able to recruit them is if Cleveland has a domed stadium, a domed football stadium. So it'll be interesting to see as we get into the the next decade, the 2020s, and seeing uh, you know where things are at. One sure. thing, one thing, I'll leave you with a little bit of a bombshell. There is a team in town to keep an eye on. The Cleveland Indians. They have not extended their lease of Progressive Field. It expires in 2023. They did not participate in the county refund that they're doing with the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers spent like uh, $40 million in capital improvements on Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, independent of the arena transformation. The Indians have opted not to participate, which stuns me because the Indians have put a lot of money into Progressive Field Mm -hmm. to upgrade various parts of the ballpark they're not participating in the in this uh, because the county's I guess going to have to issue bonds to pay back the Cavaliers the the forty million and the and and the county council wanted to know you know what do we owe you to the Indians the Indians said we're not interested in participating other than just supporting the Cavaliers endeavors because down the road that'll then help us for reimbursement we're not participating in any reimbursement right now so. I did find that to be a little interesting, and it is, I think, something over the next five years we need. We probably should kind of keep an eye on because I was shocked. I was unaware that the the lease expired in twenty twenty three. The Cavaliers, which is soon, that'll be quick. Yeah, uh, the Cavaliers' lease expires, I believe, now in twenty thirty four as part of the arena transformation. They extended that. The Browns' lease at First Energy Stadium expires after the twenty twenty eight season. The thing with the Browns, and it's interesting, and I think we're going to see it across the NFL, and that's why some of these teams have moved. Every owner, every organization is going to want the state-of-the-art retractable. I was at the uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It should be called Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta last year. It's insane. Like it isn't. I haven't been to Jerry World in Dallas yet, but it's got to rival that because it is just insane. The type of facility it is, and once. Once you're you're talking about billionaires, right. and you start to see, oh, whoa, they have that in Dallas. Oh, Atlanta. Oh, this. It's going to start becoming a thing yeah. where well, where these team these organizations they're going to want to be to build new state in First Energy, 1999. Yeah. Well, you know. And, well, the 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 arena I believe was the is the second oldest building in the NBA. I mean, it'll be a, basically a brand new building when they're done with this transformation. But when you that's just talk, crazy. When, but when you talk about it, opened in 1994. Yeah, it's not even the, old to me. Yeah, you know, right? Like. <laughs> um, you know, well, Progressive Field opened in 1994. The ballpark mm-hmm. at Arlington, where mm-hmm. the Indians are playing right now, that opened the same year as is then Jacobs Field. Yeah, and that is being replaced by a retractable roof facility. I'll say this real quick because I know we're we're wrapping up. I really wish. And I, I, I am critical of the renovations that the Indians did. I understood why they did what they did. They needed to add those premium spaces to clubs. I don't have an argument there. I get it. I just hate them taking out the seats and putting those ugly-ass crates in right field. Sure. 
I, I just don't think it's aesthetically pleasing. Pleasing. I think it's going to look like the poop emoji when the All-Star game's here. I actually am a little disappointed the All-Star game is here this year because I would have liked to see the Indians about five, six years ago actually reimagine the entire ballpark. And what I mean by that is, is I wish that they would have come up with like a three-year construction plan similar to what the Cavaliers have done to the queue. Mm-hmm. And it would completely revamp and renovate it it, 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 and complete basically rebuild the upper part of the ballpark. I would have started in right field one year, year one, take right field all the way down to the structural steel, leave the steel columns in place, maybe lower the lights a little bit because you end up lowering the entire footprint of the ballpark. Um, But leave the, and then just redo, like bring the decks down and closer to the field. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do that all the way around the ballpark and basically turn it into PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I think PNC Park is the best ballpark in baseball. The sight lines are incredible. They have, I think, 65 to 68 suites in that ballpark, which is what the Indians need. And I I just I would have liked to see the Indians come up with a long term comprehensive plan to lower the seating capacity and and really make it a spectacular modern ballpark because i just i don't find progressive field aesthetically pleasing to to the eye anymore like i go to camden yards the orioles are the cleveland browns from 1999 to 2017 in major league baseball right now they're that effing bad okay camden yards is as beautiful today as the day it opened they draw they their attendance is like they draw like 500 fans a game okay and they've left the, the the seats in they've left the ballpark basically as is other than you know they've uh, you know sure maintained. you have to upgrade they, it, yeah. they've upgraded and maintained and i just i wish the indians would have instead of doing what they did which was in my opinion was a rush job i really wish they would have reimagined a put and i i get it it's not my money it would have cost a lot of money to do it i understand all that i get it but I just I, I wish that they would have done that and then the all-star game come and hey, welcome to the brand new progressive field. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where you keep you keep the the, the footprint of the ballpark, the lower bowl and the field sure, yeah. and everything. You keep bleachers and all keep all that the same, but just start in right field and you just work your way around over three years and basically rebuild uh, you know, the the upper the, part the, the, the upper part of the ballpark. It won't happen now. Um, but that, that I just I think that it's it's just it's not going to look nice on TV. It's going to look so gaudy, so ugly. Um, I, I center field's beautiful. Yeah, uh, moving the bullpens, beautiful job. What they did behind the home plate, beautiful job. I like the drink rails that they put in in each of the the left and right field corners mm-hmm. there. Beautiful job. The 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 club section that they redid, beautiful. I mean, job. you just named a lot of the ballpark, right? But. <laughs> There's but I just, get it. you I know get what I'm saying? Just yes. the, the, what hacking off the 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 mezzanine the way they did, and 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 putting those crates. It's just it's so gaudy, so ugly, just not aesthetically pleasing at all. And everyone's gonna look at that on national TV next month. Ugh, yuck! He's Dale Ryder. I'm James Erpine. That's gonna do it for us. Uh, yeah, All Star Game coverage. We're your number one spot for that. And 92.3thefan.com. Same thing with Browns. Cavs draft coverage. Draft an all-star. Garland or uh, Cam Reddish. I almost forgot Reddish's name. Either one would play along with, with Colin Sexton. Yeah, Daryl's like, it doesn't matter.
We'll be back at it next week. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcast. Until then, I'm James Rapine. He's Daryl Ryder. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.